1: The podcast, Time Out for Mental Health, is where we speak to sports figures, mental health experts, and leadership gurus about their experiences as it relates to mental health issues associated with depression, masculinity, and suicide. These sensitive topics are often swept under the rug, as detailed in my new book, You Don't Have to Swallow Your Gun, a book for men about relationships, depression, suicide, and how toxic masculinity affects relationships between men and women. Getting a handle on a man's masculinity will improve relationships, both personally and in the workplace. Every, everyone needs some support to ask for help when they feel off or a bit disoriented and foggy, and don't know what, what is really going on with them. If they do not seek help, their behavior can turn dangerous, including alcoholism Drug and pill addiction, anger, fighting, violence, and in some cases death by suicide. On Time Out for Mental Health, we want to uncover these issues so men and women can live a happy and healthy life even if they do suffer from mental health issues. Our guest today is Johnny Crowder, a twenty eight year old suicide abuse survivor, a TEDx speaker, touring musician, and mental health and sobriety advocate and the founder and CEO of CopeNotes, a text-based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries across the globe. After 10-plus years of clinical treatment, peer support, and public advocacy, Johnny's purpose is to rebrand the global mental health conversation and stick up for people like you and me all over the world. Like myself, I have the same purpose as Johnny. I want to be fully devoted to helping others. We're honored that Johnny has shared some of his time with us today. Johnny, how are you doing today?
2: I am pumped up right before this this call. My sister texted me that she made fresh baked cookies, and that is rare. So (laughs) I am That is my carrot at the end of the stick that I am chasing right now.
1: You're making me hungry. All right. Well, what a story to tell, Johnny. Can you tell us a little bit about your story of how you got here today? And feel free to take your time.
2: Yeah, I I have a lot of people ask me stuff like this, and I kind of never know where to start because I literally experienced mental health issues from birth. So as a child, I was self-harming, like as a toddler. I was hallucinating all through elementary school and middle school, and I think my family just kind of figured, oh, it's a phase, he's young, he'll probably work his way out of it, and here comes high school, and I have a long list of behavioral issues, and um, I think that was when it became so difficult to just live daily life to complete basic tasks that i had to seek treatment i did not voluntarily seek it my mom sought it for me and i had to attend mandatory counseling to stay in school and honestly up until that point up until i had seen a doctor i was kind of hoping that everybody was right about the phase thing like you know maybe one day i'll wake up and feel better And if I just keep ignoring it, then hopefully it will go away. And when I was formally diagnosed in high school and started attending treatment, it shifted my whole perspective from thinking that I was weird or broken or screwed up to actually learning about the science behind what I was experiencing. And it made it a lot less scary. So I went to school for psychology and started getting involved in peer support just because Not only did I want to help other people who were feeling the way that I felt, but to be 100% honest, in a a pretty selfish way, I knew that the more I learned about what I was going through, the better equipped I would be to fight it, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's a lot. And personally, I can relate because I was going through that at a young age, but I never knew it until... I went off to school, college, and looked back and thought, hey, maybe I was abused. So uh, I, I can appreciate it. And then it took a long time to get properly diagnosed. So it's a tough road. You're, so tell us, how did you even fathom trying to recover from all this trauma in your life?
2: Well, I will say that we are probably alike in this way. I did my very best to just pretend that everyone's family was like mine yeah. and that everyone's household looked a lot like mine. But the problem was, you know, I'd go over to my friend's house and I would see no violence, no drugs, no alcohol. And I was like, wait, what the heck is happening here? Huh. And over time, as I started to become more and more exposed to other families that weren't, um, other households that were not the way mine was, it became more and more difficult to justify being complacent with the way that I was living. So I think I went from pretending that everyone was in the same boat to not being able to pretend that anymore because there was just too much evidence to the contrary And it really inspired me. Like every time I saw someone make a healthy decision or every time I saw a happy, healthy family, I just, it inspired me. It didn't make me frustrated. Like how come they get to live like that? I saw that and I go, I didn't even know that was possible. And it just started becoming a goal for me. Like how do I get as healthy as the people that I love, you know? Seeing them set a good example for me
1: was everything. That sounds incredible. Uh, let me frame our discussion, and then we can drill down into some specifics. Well, let me ask you: While growing up, did you ever think you would be such an influencer in all of these areas that you're currently immersed in?
2: Honestly, I've never. I've struggled with self-worth a lot so when I was a kid I was you know if you're a kid and people tell you every day that you are nothing and you will never be anything and you'll you know you'll never be successful and you hear that enough from people you you really do believe it and there was a time in my life a really long period um up until probably only a handful of years ago where I believed that to my core I I believed that I would never make a difference, that I would never feel happier or healthier, that I would never do anything worth doing. And only recently have I realized that I, I was doing things worth doing my whole life. It was just my mentality. If I did something, I always thought it wasn't good enough or it wasn't worth anything. But slowly, I think I just started looking at something I wrote you know I'll write a song or something and even if nobody hears it I'd think man that's a really catchy song and i go whoa you're supporting yourself yeah. you know hang on to that try that again tomorrow
1: yeah that's great and I can relate to that too because before I got sober uh, I felt the same way and slowly slowly as years go on and I've immersed myself into this work I feel closer to my real authentic self and uh, and my purpose to help others and I don't I don't want others to have to go through what I went through it, it it was devastating so
2: yeah I always say like when people ask me why I do advocacy and why I'm so involved in mental health I just say like You know, think of the worst pain that you've ever experienced in your life. Just pick whatever that is for you. I don't know if it's, you know, loss or missing out on an opportunity or being denied from, you know, someone that you love, being rejected. Whatever that big pain is, tell me that there's not a voice inside of your head 24-7 that says get out there and help other people who feel that. Like everybody has that voice in them. Once you've felt a pain like that, and you're aware that other people feel it, you can't just live your life pretending that it doesn't exist anymore. You felt it firsthand.
1: Yeah. Well, not many people can reach the heights that you have in so many divergent areas. Let me ask you, what drives you to such a high level of, level of excellence in all of these areas?
2: Well, I think I want to credit... I want to credit maybe the darker side and the lighter side of it. The darker side is something that I mentioned earlier, which is I grew up thinking that I would never accomplish anything, you know, with people telling me that I couldn't achieve my dreams, that I wouldn't do anything worth anything, that I was worthless. So there is a part of me that has that kind of childlike chip, on his shoulder that says, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to get out there and do something worth doing. And I try to balance that because if that goes unchecked, it can get really unhealthy. But the other side of the coin is the idea that to be 100% frank and honest, um, I didn't expect to live this long. Mm. I am 28 years old, and I never thought I would – I would live 28 whole years. And so I look at this stage of my life as the bonus round. Like I wasn't even supposed to have this time on this planet. I wasn't even planning on being here. So now that I am and I see that it's a gift, I'm trying to make the absolute most of it. I mean, it's kind of like anyone who has had a near-death experience and then it changes their perspective on what life is about. I'm just trying to do my very best to use this extra time that God has given me for the benefit of other people, because I tried to trade it in,
1: you know? Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I couldn't say that any better. How would you describe your style that you use in these areas? Is, Is there a central message that you try to get across? And what's the most challenging aspect of all of your experiences?
2: So I have a tattoo on the back of my neck that says you matter and the tattoo is for people who are behind me. Like if I'm talking to someone, if they're in front of me, then I can sort of speak into them and encourage them. But if they're behind me, if they're not willing to talk to me or if I don't if we don't see each other or whatever, I still want to be able to impart that message. And I thought long and hard about You know, what would I want to say to someone who doesn't want to speak to me? And at the end of a really long several years of thought, um, the answer was that if everyone genuinely felt like they mattered, like they were enough, like they were important, like they could accomplish things, like they were essential, that they were supposed to be on the planet, everyone's behavior would be different like if you genuinely loved yourself for real and you what's more if you liked yourself i think the way that you thought and behaved and spoke the way that you lived would dramatically change so my answer to both parts of your question is the same it's it's my my mo is trying to help people understand that they matter but also, my biggest challenge in my life has been to remember that I also matter, that I'm also a person.
1: That's great. Looking back, is there one moment where you felt the most gratification for your experiences, and why would you say that?
2: Hmm. I'm trying to think of one moment. Um... I think actually something that sticks out in my mind is I wrote this song, uh, so I'm in a band called Prison, if listeners don't know that, and one of the songs on our first EP that we put out was called Rape Me, and it was about consent and about sexual abuse that I endured, and I wrote that song, and I was so scared to put it out, I was so scared um And when we released it We started getting all of these messages From people that said that That song Like they, they filed a restraining order On someone who had been abusing them Or they filed for divorce Or they filed a police report On someone who had abused them Or they moved out of an abusive household Because they realized what was going on with them And it was this really weird feeling Where you know, I wasn't happy that I had experienced these. I don't know that I can say that with 100% truth. But I was like, wow, something bad, something really inarguably, objectively horrible that happened to me was transmuted into art. And that art helped people escape the pain that I wrote about. It was It was this really weird, complex feeling of gratitude, not for having experienced it, but for having a creative outlet that would allow me to share about it with full vulnerability and impact other people's lives in a positive way.
1: That's beautiful. Beautiful. So you've got a couple different career paths going on. Do you ever get down on yourself and feel that the effort at this level is just too challenging for you, and you feel you feel overwhelmed?
2: I think that a lot of people in my position would say, "Heck no!" <laughs> like you, you know, you got to keep a stiff upper lip, and you got to be you got to be you you know, you're a rock star and you're a CEO. You got to embrace that and walk like you mean it. And honestly. It is difficult, especially when you're dividing your – I basically have one mission in two separate arenas. So my mission is always mental health advocacy, talking about consent and sobriety, supporting other people. That's the heart of what I do no matter what. But when you split it, split that mission into two different worlds, even if you're full-time 100% – for in both of those worlds, it can feel draining because not only compassion fatigue is a thing which can really wear you out for anyone who cares for other people you know what I'm talking about, but also you constantly feel like you're comparing your two projects. Like, you know, Coke Notes, my company, just had a Forbes feature, and it's unfortunate that I thought why isn't prison in Forbes? You know, like I was comparing my own two companies, my own two projects, my own two businesses, and I think that that's probably the thing that trips me up and wears me out the most is when I accidentally slip into this comparison mode where one success in one vertical, in one lane of my life, for some reason I equate to a lack of success in another, which is non-linear, it's totally illogical, but it does happen in my brain, and it does fatigue me. Hmm.
1: Well, obviously that has its effect on your feelings and emotions. How do you deal with that? Do you ask for help with that? Why or why not? Yeah, my my
2: entire day is, like, full of mental health-related stuff but that doesn't mean that I don't have to purposely try to care to my own mental health after hours. So like even really simple stuff, like I'll call or text a friend, of course I'll listen to a lecture or a podcast or a sermon. I'll listen to music. I'll go for a walk or work out or go for a bike ride. Um, There are so many, basically what I have is like a tool belt of, you know, a hundred different ways I can respond to stress, fatigue, or anxiety, and in the moment that I feel it, I can turn to my tool belt and ask myself, you know, what, what tool is the best for this exact type of job? Like, for the type of stress that I'm feeling, is music going up, or maybe should I call somebody? And over time, I've not only been able to build my arsenal of weapons against those feelings, but I've also gotten better... At identifying the feeling when it starts bubbling up so rather than trying to clean up a big mess three weeks after a panic attack I can start feeling a panic attack coming on and I can try to preempt it
1: excellent I really, really appreciate hearing that um let me ask you another question about. Let's look at your nuclear family while you were growing up. Where, where did you grow up as a child?
2: I grew up in Tampa, Florida.
1: Oh, so you've you're a real Floridian.
2: Yeah, well, well, we are rare. <laughs> Most yeah. of us have been eaten by alligators <laughs> on
1: no. I, I have a friend who. I, I send him snaps uh, from Twitter or Facebook of gators in Florida. I And I used to live in Gainesville for two years, and I saw this. And it's amazing how people get close to all these alligators, and some of them try and ride on their back and don't realize that that could be dangerous.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I never... If I see an alligator, the first thing I think is they're there before me. (laughs) I want to let them do their thing.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. I try and stay clear. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer, ESET. These days, everyone seems to see things differently, but from your eyes, you can see straight and save. Right now, get glasses online at 70% off at Glasses USA. There's a 100% guarantee, too, on top brand men, women, multifocal, and even prescription sunglasses. Visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Glasses USA, and you will see straight and save.
3: I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I
0: would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had
3: articles about the basics, but
0: also information about the hurdles I was facing.
3: Caregiving Resource Center at AARP.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both
1: care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
0: Remember, get positive emotions at www.HealthyLife.net.
1: So, Johnny, how would you characterize your father as a man? Was he tough on you? Did he ever show you love? Did he ever discuss emotions and feelings? Did he ever spend time talking to you about what it was to be a man?
2: Um, I don't talk. You could look up a thousand interviews with me, and you probably won't find a lot of mentions, um, direct mentions about experiences of family members. And that's kind of by design. Um, but I will say that my dad is very much a loner. He enjoys uh, being by himself, and that has had an effect on me and on the family. Um, I do my best not to speak ill of anybody, so I'm choosing my words very carefully. Uh, We haven't had the greatest relationship, and I think he's just someone who, um, for him, it seems that, Being a man is a lot about, uh, like being strong and not showing weakness. And, um, you know, he's. Have you ever seen the movie Jeremiah Johnson? No. It's this movie about this guy who's just in the wilderness for an entire movie. He's like out in the woods and it's snowing and he has to kill animals and eat them and set up shelter and start fires. And that's very much the type of person my dad is. And meanwhile, I was the kid who was drawing and playing guitar. <laughs> and I was in, I wanted to act and do comedy. And it, we were just, I think we were kind of diametrically opposed. Um, so it definitely created some tension because my interest was never in traditionally masculine things, like trucks and football and stuff, cold beer or whatever, I was very much like, you know, let's paint or something. That was like my personality as a kid was, let's find a way to be creative.
1: Sure. Well, this is, I, I really get into this in my book about masculinity norms today and from years ago, and that's what most of our father's uh were like and and taught us because that's how they were brought up and now today today's media highlights that quite a bit being that tough egotistical I can handle it kind of good old boy network guy and my question is did did, did you th- feel that how your father was in that in that way may have prevented you from asking for help for fear of being labeled as not a real man. Well, definitely.
2: you got to think. So, man, I wish I could like show you a photo of us growing up. So I had two brothers growing up, one older, one younger. So my older brother is like football, trucks, beer. And hmm. my younger brother is like football, trucks, beer. And then I was like... Wearing skinny jeans and listening to really sappy indie music, and then I got into metal. And it was like nothing I did was – I've just not been very masculine from day one. So the idea of already being the skinny jeans drawing and journaling kid – in a family of traditionally masculine men, the idea of me asking for help, I'm like, oh my lord, that's going to put me over the edge. You're going to disown me at this point. I'm already not masculine. The last thing I should do is say, hey, I'm concerned about my feelings, and I just totally, I joined my family in trivializing the way that I felt. Yeah. And looking back, it was a very dangerous mistake, but In my head, I think I saw
1: it as like a survival mechanism. Yep, I can relate. Um, I want to talk about abuse. I know personally that I was abused mentally, physically, emotionally, verbally, and I didn't realize it. Uh, I later found out that that was the root of my severe depressive disorder that's reoccurring as well as my addictions that, thank God, I've overcome with help of qualified physicians. Was there any evidence of any kind of abuse in your family when you were growing up?
2: Yes, but I do my best to speak very carefully about it um, and not cover any specific instances um, because everyone in my immediate family is still alive, and I do my very best to um, Maintain those relationships as best I
1: can. Sure. Sure. Um, so, as a child growing up, did you ever display any risky behavior such as alcoholism, drug addiction, pill addiction, stealing, fighting others, violence, etc.? I.
2: I had kind of a conflict inside of myself. Like I've never I've never used drugs. I've never even tried alcohol. I've never smoked anything. And it's because I saw what drugs and alcohol did to my friends and family. Like if you see that up close and you see the effect it has on people and the way it changes their behavior and personality, it really just sets sticks look really unappealing. Um but I will say that I was the type of kid who would never want to. I, I didn't even like killing bugs. I didn't even want to kill a fly. I felt so bad. So I would want to like catch a fly in a cup and put it outside, even though I think bugs are gross and they creep me out. I didn't want to kill a bug, but at the same time, I was self-harming. So for some reason, I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to imagine hurting somebody else. Um, but I was really, really devoted unfortunately to hurting myself on a regular basis Mm. and i will say that i had i was not violent towards people but i was violent towards many an innocent inanimate object. they did nothing to deserve how many things i have broken and walls i have punched through innocent walls that did nothing wrong and it was just I, i had a lot of i had a lot of anger um towards the world and towards myself
1: growing up yeah this is something that I, I dive into into my book as well uh, because if depression or any other mental health issue is unchecked uh, it can manifest itself into risky behavior like you're describing of you know, violence and anger and uh, just all, all of that mental health issues that come up
2: it was never calculated right it was always um anytime that i actually exhibited um anger or violent explosive behavior it was always in the moment i had no idea and i had a very short fuse Mm. like my toe it was the worst day in the world like i wanted to burn my house down that's how angry i would get over really small things and then when something big would happen I would just completely shut down like all of my faculties and I would just like sit and stare at a wall it was it was really difficult to manage my emotions because they were so
1: extreme yeah all right well during this time when you were in that state did you ever think you were challenged by depression or any other type of mental health issue
2: no Honestly, uh, when, I mean, not until, I mean, even a year or two into treatment, I still didn't think it was a mental health issue. Um, I was, like, fooling myself, kind of. I just thought that the world was really unfair to me, and other people weren't paying attention, and that's why they weren't so angry. If they really were paying attention to what was going on around them, then they would be just as angry as I was. I think I just felt like I was responding to being dealt an unfair hand, and you'd probably have to pay me to to get me to take the idea of me living with mental illness seriously because I was so opposed to it. I, like, refused to believe it because I was scared.
1: So did you keep it to yourself? Uh, Did you do anything about it? Did you seek some help, or what did you do?
2: Well, I just kept behaving erratically until my behavior became so much of a problem that my mom basically forced me into treatment. Um, And I'm I'm glad she did. I was furious at her at the time.
1: Okay, cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Vistaprint. I'm sure you've heard the name. Over 17 million small businesses and consumers have used Vistaprint for printed products, ranging from business cards and brochures to invitations and thank you cards. Why? Because Vistaprint has the lowest price guarantee and you can design your products with templates or upload your design. And they have free products. Three-day rush service and satisfaction is always guaranteed. Try Vistaprint. Just go to the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on the Vistaprint logo.
3: Expanding
0: your mind. HealthyLife.net.
1: So, Johnny, if, if you ever were to have children in the future, how do you think you would be as a father? Would you be easy, would you be tough, would you lose your cool, do you think you'd yell and scream, show your emotions and love, what do you think about that?
2: I know for a fact, I've known my whole life that I would never raise my voice at a child and I would never place a hand on a child um, in anger ever, ever in a million years. I don't care what you grew up with or what you think is appropriate or, or how effective you think that type of parenting is. I know firsthand what it's like um, to be a child in that environment, and I, I would rather not have a child than subject a child to that kind of treatment. So I think I would do my very best to be an honest father and be 100% honest, like, hey, I'm sad, or I made a mistake, or I'm excited for you, I'm proud of you, and then ask questions. Like, I think I would be the type of parent who would want to create an environment where the child could be 100% honest without repercussions. Like, if you need help, ask for it. If you're excited, tell us about it. If you're nervous or if you have questions, you know, I would want to make myself available and vulnerable as a parent.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: But without... I think a lot of people hear that and they say, well, you're just going to let your kids do whatever. And I'm like, heck no, that's just as bad. <laughs> like, you need to be able to be... If you're being 100% honest with your kid, which is my goal if I ever have kids, I want to be honest. If you're 100% honest, you won't let them do whatever. You'll be like, hey, dude, listen, trust me. I've been in your exact shoes. If you make the decision you just made... In a year, it's going to cause way more problems than you realize. Like, you can make that kind of mistake now, but don't even think about doing it again. You got to learn these lessons the easy way because I learned it the hard way and I need to protect you from that. Like, if every parent just took that approach and said, Come to me, but I will be real with you, I can't imagine what the next generation of kids would look like.
1: Yeah. Very true.
2: Superhuman.
1: All right. Can you tell our audience what you've learned from all of your experiences so far at this tender age?
2: I have no idea how to sum that up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I learn like a hundred things every single day. Mm. I don't even have an intelligent response for that, genuinely. There, There has been no overarching... You know, growing up I always wished there would be like one key takeaway or one magic moment or whatever, cause that's how it is in movies, but in real life you're, you're learning ten lessons concurrently at any given moment, you know, if you're paying attention. Yeah.
1: So is there any one that kinda pops into your mind?
2: I think one, well, I'll say this one. I've spent so much of my life thinking about how I would end it. Mm. You know, I was, like, planning my own death. I spent so much time and energy thinking about and imagining and planning um, my own death. But everyone's going to die anyway. Like, why waste your precious little time on the planet trying to figure out how you're going to die when you're going to die no matter what? That's not even your job. Like something else is going to kill you. Like you'll get hit by a bus or you'll fall out of a plane or something. I don't know. But that's not your job. Like free up that mental real estate for something else.
1: Awesome. All right, let me get you out of here on this. Personally, how do you describe masculinity?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> I, I'm leaning towards saying something about vulnerability, honestly. I think that the men that I respect most are the ones that can say 100% the truth, exactly what they mean, not hold any of their cards underneath the table. They are just straight up, flat out, 100% honest and vulnerable and authentic because to me, that's what takes the most strength, is to be fully unabashedly unashamedly yourself regardless of consequence like that that integrity is the most masculine thing i can think of
1: yeah i'm i'm going to share with you what i've written in my book um about this because it's i think it's really important and especially for men to understand this um i look at it as a a three-dimensional man. The first dimension being what we label as Clint for Clint Eastwood being the guy that is strong in a couple of ways. He can lift the refrigerator down the stairs when you're moving or the piano but he also has strength in making sure he has that serious conversation with someone in his family or in his business, and he knows that it has to occur even though uh, it might not sound so great to the person that he's talking to. Um, the second part of that triangle is what I call curly, which is about a sense of humor that men shouldn 't be taking life so seriously all the time that they need to lighten up and realize that having fun is something that 's part of life and very valuable, and the third side of that triangle is called Gandhi from Mahatma Gandhi, and that represents that a man have some type of connection with spirituality no matter what it is, what it looks like, however he defines it, he's got some spiritual sense inside of him that he lives with. And um, I think if a man displays all three of those sides, I, I call him masculine. So that's my two cents. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. As you can see, Johnny's story is quite remarkable. He's a self-made man of courage, bravery, and giving to his community. True role model for our world today. We're honored to have you on our podcast today. Do you have any final thoughts?
2: Definitely. Um, I want to say two things. I want to shamelessly plug my project. But before that, I want to clarify that if you're listening to this podcast or you're listening to this on the radio, wherever and you're thinking, well, this conversation is probably more for people like X or people like Y. I just want to challenge that and push back on that and say that this conversation was for people like you. Um, Too often we exclude ourselves from conversations like this because we feel like we don't fit a particular mold. And someone will say, well, I'm not 28 or well, my parents weren't abusive or well. I've tried drugs and alcohol so we have different stories. Like don't don't nitpick and focus on the differences. Please camp out on the similarities and the common lessons that we all learn as just experiencers of the human condition. Um, don't allow your brain to trick you into thinking that you're so different from everybody else that it's it's not a conversation worth having. So I just want to encourage you to, that yes this conversation was for you and i am glad that you listened and then if you want to learn anything more about me or my band or coke notes um please go to copenotes.com. you'll learn all sorts of stuff on there lots of cool links to our podcast and subscriptions and my ted talk is on there um And then if you're into metal, you can go to Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you listen to music, and just type in prison. We have a record called Still Alive that I think you might like. Cool.
1: Well, Johnny, I look forward to continuing our dialogue moving forward so I can learn from you, so that I can help others. Thanks again, Johnny. Uh,
2: Yeah, we're going to stay in touch for sure.
1: Great. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much.
0: And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Obstacle Racing. You know you want to try it. Well, try Reebok Spartan Race, the global leader in obstacle racing. With four different race levels, their goal is to get you up off the couch and throw you into the mud and on the trails to give you the adrenaline rush of your life. Obstacle courses are designed to test your resilience, strength, stamina, quick decision-making skills, and give you the ability to laugh in the face of adversity. Visit HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Spartan Race. You're listening to CHSR, real radio on the web.
1: Well, I want to thank everybody for taking time to listen in today. Johnny Crowder is an exceptional human being. Um, Both of us stress to others to feel free to ask for help. Realize that there's 300 million people in this world that have depression, but only 150 million ask for help. So that's 150 million people that walk around with a mental health issue and they're not seeking help. And when this occurs and it's unchecked and they're trying to handle it on their own because they think they can handle it, they don't want to be pigeonholed as a weak person, especially for men. What happens is Risky behavior shows up. And it could mean drug addiction, alcoholism, uh, pill addiction, violence, arguing, fighting, domestic violence, and even suicide. I have had numerous friends who I've sat down and had coffee with person to person and a week later I get a phone call from a friend who says did you hear about Billy? No he hung himself yesterday and I just can't take any more of those calls that was the tip of the iceberg for me to devote the rest of my life to this purpose of helping others understand mental health and that asking for help is not a big deal in fact it takes more courage to ask for help than it does to hide under the covers sweep it under the rug think that you'll be able to handle it it's not true, we all need help y'all we all get a physical examination every year but do we get a mental checkup? Physical health and mental health are just as important as as one another, and it, it's just it's something that, especially for men, is difficult. Their understanding of masculinity—it's not their fault. Our fathers didn't know any better. The media plays upon that to sell products and make money, to be that macho guy. And what happens is it even show it shows up at home and it shows up in the workplace. The good old boy network shows up in the workplace where the vice president hires his best buddy on the team to be the the leader, the supervisor, because he has a great relationship with the guy. He may not be the best person for the job, but the guy wants to, the vice president wants the the leader to be somebody that he can get along with. And what happens then, if there's women on the team, they have a problem because they have a lot to contribute. But, the male leader who is practicing toxic masculinity he doesn't permit a woman to make a a vital contribution a woman might volunteer information and that leader who's toxic in masculinity will say well that's a good idea but you're a woman and you know, then she has to go back to her place and either sit there and doodle on, on a piece of paper and bide her time with limited productivity. Or she can roll the dice and go to HR and maybe she'll get help. Maybe she'll be asked to leave. Or she can go look for a better environment to work in. The bottom line is is that the productivity and the profitability in that organization is retarded because that toxic masculinity leader is not allowing, he's not inclusive of men and women. Or it could be race. Everybody has to be part of the team. And the team reflects its leader. So if a leader is not inclusive of all these people on his team, he's never going to get maximum productivity out of that team, and the company's going to suffer. But if he is uh, healthy in his masculinity, he will make a place, a safe environment for men and women to interact and bring their ideas forward to make the best contribution they can and to manage that and make everybody on the team happy and healthy in their relationships and what they're doing for their team. And the vice president is going to be a very happy guy because productivity will be maxed out. And a man needs to do that both, both at home and in the workplace. Make it that place for a woman to be who she is. Thank you.
0: With so many wonderful authors appearing as guests on HealthyLife.net, you can easily support their work by browsing the Barnes & Noble link on our advertiser page. Browse for books or even an ebook, DVDs, movies, music, games, gift cards, and more. Find the Barnes & Noble link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page.
3: Everybody down! Dwayne
0: Johnson here. The earthquakes you see in movies are one thing, but real life is a completely different animal. Just because you can't predict an earthquake doesn't mean that you can't prepare for one. In the event of a real earthquake, you should drop, cover, and hold on. Visit ready.gov slash earthquake and practice what to do to keep you and your family safe in the event of a real earthquake. And you'll be seen as a hero by your family and your loved ones. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Radio your way. Healthylife.net.
1: Listeners, please look out for our podcast, Time Out for Mental Health, wherever you get your podcasts, including the Mental Health News Radio Network and HealthyLife.net. And keep your eyes out for my new book, You Don't Have to Swallow Your Gun a book about relationships, depression, suicide, and how toxic masculinity affects relationships between men and women. Please contact me for speaking engagements through my website, timcrass.com. And don't forget to have fun, everyone.